Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Well, good morning, Grace Fellowship, and let me wish you a very Merry Christmas. We hope that you're doing great and that you're enjoying time with your family this morning. Uh, We enjoyed so much our time to worship together on Friday night at the Farmer's Market uh, for the service on the 23rd, our Christmas Eve Eve service. The music that you just heard that introed this message today was taken from that. And if you were not able to be with us at the Farmer's Market on the 23rd, we want you to know that you can check out that message online. It's available now on our YouTube page, on our Facebook page, as well as our app. You can stream that at your convenience. We'd love for you to check that out and be a part of what we experienced there and the things that God did on that night. But as we move into this Christmas message, I want to just follow up on the series that we've been going through. We've been talking about a journey to Christmas. And throughout this series, we've been looking at people who took the first and original journey to the manger to find Jesus and what they experienced along the way. So we've looked at Mary and how Mary said yes to God. When God had a task for her and gave her something to do that was mind-blowing, she was willing to say yes. She asked for some details about how these things would happen, but when God gave her the final instructions, she simply said, I'm your servant, may be to me as you've described. Mary is a person that said yes, and we want to be like that. We want to be people who say yes to God. Then we looked at the story of Joseph, and Joseph is a person who doesn't get the benefit of having a foreknowledge of these things that Mary was experiencing. He finds out that she's pregnant and doesn't have the the knowledge or the benefit of an angel coming to him ahead of time and saying what Mary has conceived is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph has to learn to trust God. And at first, he's going to put Mary away quietly, divorce her as it would be considered in that culture, even though they were not officially married yet. They were betrothed to one another. And so he was going to just put her aside and move on because he was a person of of, uh, great justice, but also observed the law. And so he learned to show mercy. But after the angel finally does come to Joseph and says, these things that Mary's experiencing, they're from God. This is going to be the Messiah, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. And then Joseph is able to take Mary as his wife and move forward. He learns to trust God. No matter what God says, no matter what the circumstances are that Joseph is facing, he learns to trust God. Then last Sunday, we talked about the shepherds who received this message from the angels, and and they went to find Jesus, and their lives were turned upside down because they were willing to leave what they were doing and go and seek God's joy. And joy is found in knowing Jesus. It's not found in our circumstances. Happiness can be produced by circumstances, but joy is found in knowing Jesus. And so they sought after him. And when they found him, it revolutionized their lives. They began telling everyone that they met about the things they had seen and heard. Well, that leads us today to the final people in the birth narrative that seek Jesus and that that come to this first Christmas And that's the Magi. So when we think about the Magi, we think about these travelers who came from the east to find Jesus. And this morning, what I want us to do is just take a look at this passage. You can find it in Matthew chapter 2. 
And it simply reads this way. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come now to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, they replied, in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you're by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, we ask the question, well, who were these magi? What does it mean to have these wise men who have come from the east? Where did they come from? How do they even know to be looking for Jesus? If you remember in the Old Testament, the people of Israel were sent into captivity in Babylon. Daniel rose to a place of authority along with some of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's most likely that these wise men are from the same school of influence that Daniel experienced in his time of captivity in Babylon. And so as Daniel lived there, he probably passed along some of the thoughts of the Old Testament prophecies of a Messiah and what Scripture had to say about a Messiah who was going to be born to be the king of the Jews. So it's very likely that these magi come from that same school of thought and were disciples possibly even of Daniel. Then we get this star that appears, and one of the questions that we ask is, well, what about this star? How do they start to follow this, or what does that look like? And to be honest with you, I don't know exactly how this played out. There are a lot of different speculations about what the star was. Was it a literal star? Was it an angel that appeared and gave light in the night, and they started to follow this angel? One of the things that's fascinating to me if you're interested in doing some, uh, spending some time watching a, a video, you can go to YouTube and find a video called The Star of Bethlehem. It was done by a guy named Rick Larson. Uh, I can't say for sure that what he proposes is the reality of the night, but it's very uh, important to think about some of these things. And he does a great job of laying out some things that may have been taking place in the skies over Bethlehem in Jerusalem during this period of time and how the Magi followed the star to find Jesus. Well, here's what we know. When the Magi come to look for Jesus, they show up in Jerusalem and they go to Herod's palace. If you think back to last week when we talked about the shepherds in the fields, they were told to find a child wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger, not in a palace, somewhere that was in the home of a peasant. Uh, but the Magi didn't have that same information. They were going by what we would probably consider to be wisdom. And going, our earthly wisdom would say, if the king of the Jews has been born, where should we go? Well, we should go to the palace. And that's exactly what they did. They went to Herod in Jerusalem. 
And they start asking Herod, we've seen this star that has emerged and we followed it from the east. Guys, let me just tell you, that's amazing in and of itself. They traveled probably four to five months following these stars in the sky. I get lost using GPS in my own town. These guys are following stars in the sky for hundreds and hundreds of miles over the course of a period of months. And so they say, we've, we've seen his star in the sky. We know that the king has been born and we're here to worship him. And so they find out, they, Herod calls the chief priest and the teachers of the law together, and he says there's this prophecy about a Messiah. Where is he supposed to be born? And they quote the prophet Micah. In Micah 5, we find that statement that they read, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And so Micah had prophesied that this is where the birth of Jesus the Messiah would take place. So now Herod pulls the wise men aside and he kind of has this moment with them and he goes, I want you to go and find the child and go worship him and then I want you to come back to me and tell me where he is so I can go worship him too. The problem with that is that Herod had no intention of worshiping a new king. Herod had no intention of just waiting around for a new king to come into power so that he would be dethroned and that he would lose his power and lose his authority to this new person. Herod wanted to destroy the child. And we know that because later we're told in this very chapter that when the Magi don't come back, Herod goes on a murderous rampage and has every child two years old and younger in the region killed, every male two years old and younger in the region killed. He wants to destroy anything that's going to be an affront to his power and his rule. But that doesn't happen because the Magi get a message from God. And after they come and they bring their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to Jesus, to Mary and to Joseph, the Bible says that they had a dream, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod they returned to their country by another route. And here's really where I want us to focus in just for a few minutes this morning is that this is the power of the gospel. The whole Christmas narrative is full of the gospel, the truth about life change that's found in Jesus. But here's one of the powerful things. They're told, don't go back the way you came. Take a new path. And that's the message of a gospel in a nutshell. That when Jesus saves us, he tells us, I'm creating a new path for you, a new direction for you to take, something different for you to do. I've got a new plan for your life. And the challenge is, don't go back to your old way of life. Don't go running after other things that are not me. Stay on this new path. There's something else that I've carved out for you. There's a new direction for you to go and to follow, and I want you to be on this path for the rest of your life. And so we see this take place even when Jesus talks to his disciples. In John 14, 6, he tells them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father unless they come through me. Jesus is the path. Jesus is the way to the Father. In Jesus, through his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension back to glory, he says, I'm the person you follow to have life and to have it to the full. There are a lot of paths that you can take in life. 
but only Jesus will change your life and offer you a path that will end up with him for eternity. And so that's the challenge for us. When we see the Magi and we see them be obedient to this warning that the Father gives to them through a dream, he says, I don't want you to go back to the old path. I don't want you to go back to Herod. Herod has devious intentions. I want you to go a new path. And that's the message of the gospel. That's Jesus' invitation to us. You've tried a lot of paths in your life. You've taken a lot of different roads. You've tried to find ways to make it on your own, in your own power, your own ability, maybe a different religion, another, another search that you've gone after to find a way to be right with God. And he says, none of those things work. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father unless they come through me. So this Christmas, if you're not a believer in Jesus, the invitation to you is simply to hear Jesus' words and respond to them in a way that says, I want to be on your path. I don't want to follow my ways anymore. I don't want my thoughts to govern things anymore. I want to be on the path that says, this will lead me to heaven. This will lead me to a relationship with God the Father. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he pays for our sins. He gives us hope. And he invites us to come in so that he can have a relationship with you that will change your life forever. For those of you who have found yourself on the path, who know Jesus, who follow him, and you love him and you want to be obedient to him, but sometimes we stray. Sometimes we go back to doing things we know are not right. Paul talked about that in the New Testament. He said, the same things that I find myself not wanting to do, I often find myself doing those things. And the things that I know I shouldn't do, man, that's where I am. But the things that I want to do, I'm not doing those things. And Jesus' invitation to us is, hey, just stay on the path. Here's the way that I've marked out for you. Don't deviate from it. Come and follow me, and I'll change your life. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, after all. And we say that here at our church all the time. That a disciple of Jesus is someone who's accepted his call. Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. That you're following Jesus, you know him, you're walking in obedience to him, and you're being changed by him so that you can be on his mission in life. And so that's the joy of Christmas. Christmas took place so that we could know the Father and be radically changed by him forever and have life eternally with God. And as we think about the end of this season and as we finish this celebration of Christmas, we want to know that our life has been found in Jesus. And I hope you can say that. If you want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we would love for you to contact us anytime. There's a connection card on our website. If you're watching from home right now and have some way to connect with our website, you can go to the connection tab and there's a box you can click there that says, I want to know more about following Jesus. And when you submit that to us, we would love to follow up with you. If you'll give us your contact information so that we can tell you what a relationship with Jesus looks like and how to begin that relationship today. Church, I love you so much. I hope you have an incredible Christmas celebration. We can't wait to be together again on January 1st. We're going to have one service at 10 a.m. 
There will be no children's ministry that day for any of our age groups. It will all be a family worship service, but we hope you can make it and be with us. We look forward to being able to worship with you in the new year, and we pray God's blessings over you. I love you, church, and we'll see you soon. God bless you. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.